0: Today, I want to talk to you about your warfare, your spiritual warfare. Now, I know you only have a battle once or twice a year. (laughs) No, if you're a real believer, you're battling every day. And uh, so I want to talk to you today. I'm going to get very foundational. And I want to begin this series on spiritual warfare and you by talking about your enemy. So let's read Ephesians 6. 10 to 12. And we all know these verses. They're powerful verses. The best verses on spiritual warfare in the New Testament. Let me read it. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in who? And in the power of whose might? His might. And it says, put on the whole armor of God. We're talking about that next time. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes. That's the word there wiles or the thought out the carefully thought out schemes of the devil he is a strategist he's defeated but he's a strategist do you know the devil worked 20 years to bring one man or one woman down all right and here look at verse 12 we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but we wrestle against principalities powers Rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness that are dwelling in heavenly places. The the heavenly places are the battleground. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that you will lift the veil, open the curtains and let us see the reality of spiritual warfare and learn how to wage a good fight. Learn how to fight the good fight and learn how to win the good fight. And Lord, I thank you for it. I pray that you will open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand. And I pray that for those who are in a great and an intense battle today, married couples, the home, children gone crazy, attacks against our mind and our finances, I pray that Lord you will help us today. Speak to us today and, and send your word and heal us today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell him this is about to get real. You better get ready. <laughs> Amen. Now, I want to begin this uh, series on warfare by first just look, getting real foundation on looking at what kind of battle we're in, what kind is it, what, what is the battle really about, and who our real enemy is. We're going to see that it's not people, but who our enemy, who our real enemy is. Now, Paul begins his word about warfare by telling us that our battle is not out here, but it's spiritual in nature. He said, you're fighting a spiritual battle. It's spiritual. Now, for a lot of people, when I say that, if I were to go out there, uh, let's just say in a college, and I was to use that word spiritual, a lot of people would would poo-poo that and laugh at that and mock that because they believe that all that there is is what you can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. They believe that's all there is. All that there is is what we can see with our senses. And anything beyond that is a fairy tale or a myth. And there's no such thing as a spiritual world. But the Bible totally disagrees with that. Now, Paul tells us we're in a spiritual battle. It is not a battle of guns and knives and bombs or chemicals or fists or fights. But we're in a battle that is waged on a spiritual plane, in a spiritual world. It is a battle against unseen powers that seek to destroy our lives, carry the lost to hell, sabotage the Christian's walk, and ruin all that is good and godly. And boy, don't tell your rocket scientists to look around us today and see that we're in a battle in America. We're in a really deep spiritual battle. You see, the Bible reveals that there is a world beyond the material world that is around us right now. There is a world beyond this world in this room. There is a world out there, we can't contact it with our five senses, but it's there. The Bible is the book that opens our eyes, opens the veil, pulls back the veil, pulls back the curtains, and really allows us a window to look into that world. Without the Bible, we wouldn't know. I mean, we have experiences, we have experiences that are spiritual in nature, there's no way we would ever know what's really in that world if it were not for the revelation of the bible the bible tells us the bible opens our eyes and it says in that spiritual world are found angels and demons and a real devil god the father is in that world god the son god the holy spirit jesus said god is not a man he is not physical in nature he doesn't have a physical body But Jesus said, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's telling us there's a spiritual world. God dwells there. God the Son dwells there. Right now, he is seated on the right hand of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And they are abiding in a spiritual place called heaven. We can't see heaven, but heaven is there. And one day, we're all going to go there. The Bible says that there are, especially the book of Daniel that there are two mighty, stupendous archangels in that spiritual world. One is named Gabriel, one is named Michael. Lucifer used to be one, but he fell. But there are two mighty archangels in that world that we cannot see. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that they are going to play heavily in last day's events. There are glorious, worshiping angels in that world that we cannot see. Uh, They're called cherubim and seraphim, and all they do is worship God, and they are living in that unseen world. There is an innumerable company of angels that serve God in that world, millions and millions, countless angels. Matter of fact, the third message in this series is going to be your unseen helpers, and I'm going to talk about angels. But angels are mighty they are not you know these uh these beings fat little cherub looking things flying around on wings uh looking like cupid that is not a bible angel a bible angel is a mighty being a a mighty tall forceful dynamic even frightening being that every time an angel appeared to somebody in the bible they fell on their face in fear because of the mightiness of this angel but there's a, a, a countless number of them. When Pilate looked at Jesus and said, don't you know that I could have you killed? Jesus said, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you by my Father. And then Jesus said, do you not know that I can call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? And a legion, a Roman legion, Roman soldiers was 6,000. So 12 times 6 is 72. 72. And Jesus is telling them that that right now, if I called on God, there would be 72,000 angels would be sent to deliver me from your hand. A mighty force we can't see. And millions upon millions of departed souls are in the world that we cannot see, abiding either in a glorious heaven with Jesus or awaiting judgment in a place called Hades, but they are there in that place that we can't see, the spiritual world. The world that we live in is temporary. John said that world is passing away. This world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God will abide forever. And listen, in that, mighty, or in that spiritual world that I just described, and all the beings that are dwelling in it, there is a mighty battle taking place in that spiritual world right now. Satan and his legions of fallen angels are in fierce combat with God and his purpose and his plan for the world and for you. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Even Jesus said, the spiritual world is a place of violent conflict that is taking place that we can't see. And if you don't think so, I'm going to let the devil speak for himself. This is one of the few times I'll quote the devil in this church. But let me, let me just show you what the devil, how the devil reveals through his own mouth that we're in a battle. In one encounter with demon spirits speaking right out of a man, G, they, the demon said to Jesus, why are you interfering with us? Well, I could stop right there. You know what that says to me? That is the devil admitting, I've got an agenda, I'm doing things, I've got a plan, I've got a goal, and when Jesus showed up, he started messing with my stuff. He started interfering with my work. He started hindering my plan. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why we worship Jesus here. That's why we preach Jesus here. This is why we're all about Jesus here. Because people are in bondage and they need to be set free and the only one that can set them free is the Lord Jesus Christ who was anointed of God to set people free from bondage to the devil. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he whom the Son frees is free indeed. So they said, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? If you come to destroy us, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They knew more than a lot of people do. In another place, Matthew records, they began screaming, that is the demons, they began screaming at him. Why are you interfering with us, Son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? See, even the demons knew that Jesus would one day, at God's appointed time, cast them into the eternal lake of fire, and they feared him. They said, what are you doing here, interfering with us? Are you, are you going to torment us? Well, I love that. Instead of them tormenting people, Jesus torments them. Jesus is hell's worst nightmare and you know what a spirit filled church walking in the authority of the name of Jesus covered in the blood of the lamb seeking the Lord with all of its heart that is also Satan's worst nightmare I want this church I want the devil to fear this church the Jesus in this church now Speaking of churches and the devil, interestingly, statistics taken from 1991 to 2007, listen to this. From 1991 to 2007, they were tracking what church people believed about the devil, and it revealed that belief in Satan as a living entity had dropped from 35% to 24% in American churches. How could that be? I I don't understand, because the New Testament clearly shows he's real, but you've got 24% of church people believing the devil is a real being. Shows you how far we've slidden from the Word of God. We have got to get back to the Word of God. Some of you are being beat up by the devil every day, and you know why? Because you've gotten away from the Word of God. If you would get into the Word of God, that's the truth that sets you free. The majority, you say, well, what do they believe? Well, the majority of Americans believe (coughs) Satan is only a symbol of evil. You know, the little The little guy in the red suit with the tail and the pitchfork and the horns on Halloween. They believe that Satan is only a symbol of evil, not an actual being. And right there, they are defeated. Because what does the devil want? He wants you to to believe he's not real. Because if you believe he's not real, you won't fight him. But as we've already seen, Jesus totally disagrees with that percentage of people who don't even believe he's real. Jesus totally disagrees with that. Jesus described the devil as a real person with an agenda. He said the thief, that's the devil, the thief does not even show up unless he plans to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly I want you to know the devil wants to kill you, steal from you, destroy you, but there is a Savior who wants to give you not only life, but abundant life. Listen, we think that Jesus is going to take the party out of our life, but listen, no, Jesus is going to give you the best party you've ever had. You won't go home with a stung conscience, but Jesus is going to give you abundant life, life indeed. Jesus said in Luke that before his incarnation, before he showed up on earth, when he was still in glory, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's saying there that when Satan was judged, I was there and I saw it. When he rebelled against God, I watched it. When he was judged, I saw it. And when he was cast down from heaven, I watched it. Satan and his angels fell from heaven immediately. Under God's judgment, their habitation of bliss and glory was taken away from them. They were sent to hell for their sin and rebellion as violently and swiftly and suddenly as the lightning falls from heaven to earth. Watch a streak of lightning go across the sky, and that's how fast Satan was judged and sent down to hell. If you read the four Gospels, you'll discover that about a quarter of Jesus' ministry was spent delivering people from the power of the devil. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Everybody say, God anointed him. That means God empowered him, graced him, enabled him with the Holy Spirit and power. And what did he do? He went around doing good and healing all. Everybody say all. all. All who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Everywhere Jesus went, He confronted the devil, rebuked the devil, bound the devil, cast the devil out, and set people free. That's what my Jesus does. And the good news is he's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. Jesus cast out demons everywhere that he went, in the synagogues, in all of Galilee. He cast devils out inside of houses. Outside in the open fields, in the multitude, in the presence of multitudes of people, at the seashore, in a ship, and in every city and village where he went, Jesus confronted the devil, and the devil confronted Jesus, and Jesus always won. And always set people free, where they had peace of mind, joy in their life, and salvation in their soul. Everywhere Jesus went. And I want you to know today, there's a devil buster in the house. And his name is Jesus. I don't care what has you bound. Dale, Jeff, i Jeff, I've got some real bondage in my life. Boy, I'll tell you, I need to be set free so bad and I don't know what the answer is. I'm telling you, the answer is Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no sin and there is no devil greater than he is, greater than his name, greater than his blood, greater than his cross. Even the first person to see him after he had resurrected from the dead was Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. The New Testament epistles reveal beyond a doubt That we as Christians are in a real battle against a real devil in real time. It says in James 4, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, who's he talking to there? James isn't writing that to lost people. He's telling found people. You're going to find yourselves in battles with the devil. But if you will resist the devil and hold your ground and put on the armor of God and realize that you've got the victory, he will eventually flee from you. Let me ask you a question. How fast would you run from a rattlesnake under your couch in the living room? As soon as you heard that, you'd be out. You'd leave your slippers right there on the floor. Now let me tell you something. That's the word flee. That's the word flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee as if he's running from a rattlesnake from you. We talk about people running from the devil let me tell you what, if you're full of Jesus and you're submitted to God, the devil will run from you. We're going to talk about this later in this series. Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, everybody say, my adversary, my adversary. the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. So I got a question. If Satan isn't real today, where did he disappear to since Jesus' time? Where'd he go? Where is he hiding? No, he's still here, and there's still a battle going on, and every one of us are fighting it. Now, I want you to notice Paul used the word wrestle. He said, we we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wrestle means an intense contest. It is not romper room. It is not playtime. He says, wrestle, an intense contest where each fighter seeks to throw the other to the ground. We've seen wrestlers... They're they're both trying to throw the other one to the mat and put their foot on his neck or their hand down where he, he taps out and he's defeated. Satan is out to try to get believers to tap out. He wants you to tap out. He wants you to say, I give up. But here's the idea. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul later, he's going to say, and having done all, stand. And then he says again, stand therefore. Paul doesn't see us on the mat tapping out. He sees us standing on the devil and making him tap out. So the spiritual battle we are in as God's children is one where our enemy is trying to put us to the mat. Trying to put us down to the mat, defeated. But God is going to show us through His Word in the next few weeks that it's us that are going to, that, that are called and anointed to win. It is us that have been empowered to put Him to the mat, make Him tap out, defeat His designs, thwart His plans, ruin His goals, and see people set free. So, everybody, say with me: Our spirit, our battle is spiritual. Now, Paul goes on and he says something that I've never preached on before. I've never focused on it, but it hit me that I'm supposed to focus on this because we are supposed to understand this. He says, I want you to understand that our battle is not with flesh and blood people. Now, let me just work this for a minute. It was easy in their day because they were being persecuted by the Roman Empire, Christians were being killed. They were being whipped. They were being crucified. They were being imprisoned. They were losing their homes, their jobs, their livelihood, their reputation. They were being attacked by the Roman government and the people in Rome. So it was very, very easy for Christians to think, well, I'm battling flesh and blood. I'm battling the the lunatic Roman Emperor Nero. I'm battling the Roman soldiers. I'm battling the Roman civilization that does not accept the gospel of Christ. I'm battling people. It was very easy for them to think they were battling people. And so Paul reminds them, you are not battling people. You are not battling flesh and blood. You are not dealing with human beings when you are coming under attack. Paul says, remember, our battle is not with flesh and blood, but here's where our battle Is with who it's with evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, catch this, dear church. Let me just name those rulers, authorities, powers, spirits, all evil. Evil, rulers, authorities, powers, and spirits. And where is the battle taking place? In the unseen world, in a dark world, in heavenly places, or in a spiritual realm. You are not dealing on this plane, in in this material world. That is not where your real battle is. It is with rulers, authorities, powers, spirits, in the unseen world. Now... I stopped and I thought, what is that telling me? How am I to understand that our battle is not ultimately with people? Because you know why? It's sure people that I struggle with. It sure seems like it's people that I struggle with. I mean, that's people on I-35 in rush hour traffic driving those cars. That, that is people who have criticized me for my stand in Jesus Christ. It, it's people that, that send nasty stuff to me on the Internet when I stand up for the Word of God and, and do a little post about it. I'm not talking to demon spirits. I'm talking to people. People are coming against me, and sometimes I wish that I could resort to Texas justice. Don't look at me so holy, so do you. You know, one, two, Lord, forgive me. Didn't mean it. Devil made me do it. But seriously, because it's so often, because it's people we struggle with, it's so hard to remember that it's not people we're struggling with. It's people that attack us that, and the truth of God's word and the Christ we love. In a conflict, so here's the deal, here's, my, here's what I want to answer today. In, in a conflict, what part is them, and what part is the enemy, and how can I know the difference? And what about battles in the home, when you're having a knockdown drag out in your house? How much of it is people, and how much of it is the devil, and how can I know the difference? How do I know when the devil gets involved and when I'm only dealing with flesh? And if so, to what extent is the devil involved? And what in the world do I do about it? How do I deal with it? Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking right at a person with skin on them. And that's who I'm dealing with. Now, follow me. First, we've got to understand something. Follow me. In the same way, the Holy Spirit can influence the words and actions of people. Now, Now, let me ask you, can the Holy Spirit influence your words? And can he influence your actions? I mean, this week, the Holy Ghost, if you got up and you prayed and you got in the Word and you loved Jesus at all, this week, the Holy Ghost influenced you to say something godly and good to somebody, to do something godly and good for somebody. The Holy Spirit, we are, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled means controlled by. So I can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to be influenced by the Holy Spirit all day long be not drunk with wine be filled controlled by the Holy Spirit whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption so if the Holy Spirit which we can't see he lives in us if that Holy Spirit can influence us To do good things and to say good things, then Satan can also influence the words and actions of people. And I'm going to go ahead and say it, even Christian people. And I'm going to show you this in the Word. I don't say anything if I can't back it up with the Word. I'm going to show you in the Word. For instance, we're told that when Judas, watch this, when Judas betrayed Jesus, it wasn't just Judas, it says Satan was involved. Luke 22, verse 3, then Satan entered Judas. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. Satan influenced Judas. Now, Judas had to yield, and that's where Judas's guilt came in. But Judas was influenced by the devil. The devil was involved in the game. In the book of Acts, when Ananias and Sapphira lied to Peter about the sale of their land, it says, Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? That you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept back for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Do you notice there that this apparently Christian couple was tempted by and influenced by the devil to lie though they were saved? Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's it's against the enemy that is behind the flesh and blood. It is against the unseen enemy. Now I'm not talking about being possessed where your neck goes all the way around, where your head swivels and you're spitting out green pea soup. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, Let's forget Hollywood for a minute. I'm not talking about being demon-possessed. I'm talking about being influenced by the devil. Influenced. Influenced. Uh, The Apostle James warned the believers under his care, you better watch your tongue because the devil can use it. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. And who is he writing to? Believers. Any of us who have been saved longer than a day know that we can lose our temper or we can get into a wrong kind of a spirit and say something that we know did not come from the Holy Spirit. You know, people are often the unwitting tools of the devil. And I had to go here with this because Paul said, Guys and gals, Christian believers, your battle is not against human beings. But it's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness. Well, okay. So he's telling me then that, that, that people are, can be yielded to the enemy even when they don't know it. And that's why we need to be careful And be full of the word and be discerning. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, they're going to take me, they're going to whip me, they're going to abuse me, and guys, they're going to kill me. They're going to hang me on a tree. They're going to crucify me. And remember Peter, who had just said, who had just said, thou art the Christ Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus had just said to him, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Simon Bar-Jonah, you just spoke under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But it, within, within no time at all, Peter lost his attaboy. Amen. <laughs> because he, it says he took Jesus aside And began to rebuke, can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Began to rebuke Jesus, telling him, Lord, be it far from you, that you would allow them to do these things to you. And what did Jesus do? Watch what he did. Jesus looked at Peter, but he looked beyond Peter. And he said, get behind me, who? Satan. Satan. For you savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. In other words, Satan is all about flesh and sin, and he's not about the plan of God. And Jesus realized, I'm not dealing with the flesh and blood man called Peter. I'm dealing with an influence on him that I'm going to address directly, and I'm not going to rebuke him. I'm going to rebuke the devil influencing him oh this is good stuff this is good stuff now now we've got to get this because there you are you're in a knockdown, down drag out with somebody you're fighting you, you, there, there's flesh involved and all of a sudden you, you can tell that it's gone into another dimension and you're dealing in a spiritual dimension and you can tell that satan has gotten his foot in this and what are we called to do well first of all if it's your spouse please Please, don't copy Jesus here and call them Satan. I want you coming back next week for part two, and I don't want to add to the problem at home. So don't look at your spouse and say, get behind me, Satan. There there is a principle here. Some of you have already done it, I can tell. Get behind me, Satan. Don't you call me Satan, Satan. Satan. Well, you're Satan. Well, you're a worse Satan. Don't go there. Listen, here's the principle. When you know that somebody is attacking you, see, the devil was trying to circumvent God's plan for Jesus. And he was using somebody Jesus loved. Knowing that would be more powerful. So he said, I'm not even talking to you, Peter. I'm talking to the one attacking me. Satan, get behind me. Here's the principle. When you realize that somebody is being used by the devil to attack you, head for the prayer closet. Shut the door. And go to battle against the one who is using them and influencing them to attack you. Fight the real enemy. Don't fight them because it's not fully them. It's not ultimately them. Paul did the same thing. That little woman with the spirit of divination began to follow he and Silas as they were preaching the gospel. And she began to say things that on face value seemed right. These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That was not an untrue statement. Her problem was she was exalting men. But Paul became greatly troubled in his spirit, turned and said, not to her. But to the evil spirit that was using her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. What did Paul do? He totally bypassed flesh and blood and dealt with the enemy. Same thing. Paul was deeply grieved in his spirit. The grieving in his spirit was God's way of showing him you are not dealing with a human being, Paul. You're dealing with somebody under an influence that's attacking you. See, if we were just going to the prayer closet and shut the door and go into battle against the spirit that is using that person and has often bound that person, you begin to see a change out here when you've dealt with it in the prayer closet. It may take some time. It may be a long-term battle. But one day you wake up and say, I'm getting nowhere talking to the person. Of course, because they're not your enemy. Man, I'm getting this CD. I don't know about you. We need to hear this. How do you know the devil is using a person? Quickly. When a person is tempting you to sin, the devil is in the vicinity. He comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, and that's what sin does. When a person is attacking you for your faith, mocking you, blaspheming your Jesus, that happens to me. The devil is involved. Because the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. When a person is doing all they can to hinder or destroy the ministry of God in your life, the devil is involved. In the book of Acts, Elymas the sorcerer was trying to to turn people away from Paul's witness to them about Jesus. And Paul called him a son of the devil. When a person is doing all they can uh, to lure you out of what you know to be true into false teaching, the devil is involved. Paul wrote to Galatians, the Galatians, Who has bewitched you that you have so soon turned away from the gospel of grace to that which is no gospel? Stand with me, can you? How many of you are glad you came today? All right. Now, when I look, when I look at the riots and the mayhem, rocking our nation right now? The hatred and the vile, gutter language being spoken on national network television, sometimes by the news announcers themselves and politicians themselves. When I look at the division and the murder, I know I'm not dealing with flesh and blood. I know we are in a deeply... Um, demonic battle and how's it going to be won well you can't throw a simple little religious platitude at the devil it'll do about as good as a squirt gun against a forest fire what it takes is god's people heading to the prayer closet who understand i am in the authority of jesus i know the one who has defeated the devil And you begin to cry out to God for a move of God. You begin to cry out to God. Boy, I feel like preaching today. Let me tell you. You begin to to cry out and say, Jesus, move in this land. One breath of the Spirit of God can shatter the shackles that bind We're going to read three verses together quickly. Let's put them up here just to encourage you. Say it with me. Read it with me. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Next one. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. One more. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness today. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the victory over the enemy. Thank you for teaching us how to, how to battle the real enemy. And when, now with your heads bowed, somebody, maybe just one, in this house today needs to know Jesus. Can I tell you that I'm not here to judge you I love you, but I can't begin to love you like he loves you. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He'll change your life. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. So simple that you can pray it with me. and We're going to go to God together. And If you've got a question mark, friend, in your mind, am I really saved? Why not settle it today? I'm inviting you to come to Jesus. So would you pray this with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I invite you into my heart for I place my faith In you, Jesus, in your name I pray, amen.